coming to you from the Nasser Alexander Kuchecki Studios. This is The Right Hash. The Right Hash is brought to you by Slim Sweets and by Speedy Custom Sneakers. Now, let's spark it up with your hosts, Luke Nadkarni and Alex Thompson. Welcome once again to the Nasser Alexander Kuchecki Studios on this 328 day falcons patriots day chat dunks on chris dudley day if you scrolled the twitters today you'd see exactly what i was talking about but luke ned carney alex thompson here with you for another episode of the right hash a little bit shorter of a show today the main purpose of this show is actually to get us primed for baseball season which if you're an sec fan has been going on for a month and a half but if you're just a professional sports fan a braves fan o's fan any other fan tigers fan i know we have at least a couple that listen to this show uh you're about to be in for a treat because thursday is opening day for a lot of teams you know this weekend is when it'll get into pardon the pun full swing and we'll have college and professional baseball going on at the same time but uh just a couple you know a couple couple housekeeping things up at the top check our soccer show the right hosh i almost forgot what sport we we also cover also could call it a football show the right hosh we had one of those with rob jordan last week uh it's the international break right now so we didn't have a show this past week but we'll have one on monday coming up uh of course recapping the the big liverpool man city game on first of april uh april fool's day if you if you prefer um and also um thanks to everybody for joining the the right hash uh bracket smash i actually don't have the table in front of me right now because i don't want to see how low I am with uh, my my champion getting knocked out, but I, I think I'm I think a lot of us have company. I think if if you had UConn winning, you're pretty much the only one who has a chance right now. Yeah, I haven't checked. I'm I'm pulling it up now because, like you, uh, once my team got bounced, I just kind of I I, I I've been wallering, as they say in the <laughs> south, wallering. Um, yeah. So uh, right now, the the best bracket as it stands is John Stout at 63 um, points. Uh, that is also their max. Um, right right now, it looks like the, the folks battling it out, like you said, are the UConn brackets. And we have uh, my buddy Oz, who has a Miami bracket. So um, wow. if, a if, wizard if, on the pick right there. Yeah, he he has no idea what he's doing, but that that's why I tell everyone who says I didn't follow basketball this year. Believe me, you have a better chance at winning than people who did, because people who did let logic and rationale and different irrelevant variables get in the way. When you could just go pick, I I I don't know. He had uh he had Virginia, Purdue, Miami, and Gonzaga as his final four. Um, so Miami's there. He's got Miami as his champion. And we have uh, Zach McGee, uh, Mike Barlow, and Armand Kuchecki all have UConn as their champs. So um, one of those teams has to win for sure, at least one more round. So uh, I would say if Miami wins this game, no matter what happens, Oz has won this bracket. Uh, if UConn wins this game, we have three guys who are uh, going to be in a dead heat for it. So. Uh, there's some ugly ones in here, though. There's some ugly I, brackets in here, Luke. I could be doing better on my bracket if I only had a brain. My, okay, my, I'm going to drop that now. <laughs> my favorite part, though, is looking at all the ones at the bottom, and they're all Alabama brackets. And that, just, <laughs> that is the, the best part. That, that warms the, cool the cockles of my heart just slightly. <laughs> well, there's our update on the right hash bracket smash. Once again, thank you to everybody who participated. And you see and you hear who is eligible for the prize. And sounds like a lot of you are going to have bragging rights over the uh, hosts of this show. Uh, that's for sure for finishing above us. But uh, we'll we'll, uh, we'll tweet out the winner. We'll we'll get up with the winner uh, whenever that happens uh, next week, and we will get you your prize. Um, so th- thanks a lot again to everybody who who joined. Um, now to to the sports, and uh, like I said, a bit of a lighter show today. We're actually kind of just chilling. Alex finishing up his work day. I am watching the NC State UNC Greensboro midweek baseball game. I'm actually we're doing this show a, a day early, so to speak, because Georgia plays their midweeker on on Wednesday. Um, and uh, we'll get we'll get a little bit more into the baseball talk later on in the show. But a couple couple quirky rule changes in the NFL to to pass along, both of them involving numbers. First, kickers are now allowed to wear numbers 90 through 99. So I think we're going to see at least a couple of guys change their numbers to what they wore in college or close to it. 
And this, this involves the Jaguars because this is the first major player to sport this number. And he, the first one we found out from, you can now wear number zero in the NFL and none other than Calvin Ridley will be doing that for Jacksonville. Yeah, I've already seen a lot of uh, the number zero with uh, bets placed in 2023 right next to it. So the, the memes are there. Uh, the number zero hasn't even been legal for, uh, what, an hour? And there's already memes uh, out there about Calvin Ridley and his his gambling past, which is a very, very – like, he, he probably bets a lot less than most people who are the, you know, the – fan duel dra- draft kings type of people but anyway uh i've already seen the memes so it, it is full-fledged internet uh meme territory already um a pretty ir- irrelevant change but cool for the players i guess yeah just i just saw it today i was like oh they've been a little bit more liberal with with this kind of stuff the last few years and you see defenders linebackers defensive backs wearing like number two like darius slay micah parsons versus number 11 as a linebacker um, so I'm trying to think of who the most ridiculous, like out of place number on the commanders is, but that, that might require some thought. I, I'm just picturing like some of the CBA, <laughs> you know, just some of the, some of the bargaining going on with the players. And they're like, we want this and we want guaranteed contracts and we want this. And the NFL just goes, best I can do is you can wear number zero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Pawn stars. Name. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, it, it's, I, we all want guaranteed contracts. Um, what if I told you one person from each franchise could wear the number zero? How does that do you? Big, big pizza party at the office energy. <laughs> exactly. And what exactly and do you do here? Energy at the office. Next Friday is Hawaiian shirt day. So if you want, you can wear a Hawaiian shirt to work. <laughs> Clearly we've moved on from our hyper-focus from the last, uh, the last episode, but um, exactly. yeah, that's, that's like a goofy look, just a goofy little change. Another relevant piece of right hash information uh, since we last talked, another wide receiver signing going from Detroit to Carolina, DJ Chark, who is of course a favorite of Connor Lilly and a favorite of this show for that reason, uh, is signed, signed with the Panthers and the, the Panthers have, have made some moves this off season, you know, with the new, new coach, Frank Reich. Uh, I wish I wish we could have grabbed Connor on short notice just to drill his brain about how they Lions managed to let DJ Chark get away. But the other quirky little thing in this is that yesterday I saw the the graphic going around that he's only played for cat based teams, LSU, um, the Jaguars, the Lions, and now the Panthers. Uh, yeah. So I mean, oh, who does that leave? The Bengals? Is there yeah, any the more? Bengals and yeah. So I'm basically sure, I'm sure there's one more, but yeah. So in, in two, in two years or so, we can pretty much pencil in DJ chart to Cincinnati, I think is, uh, is, is pretty much what we can do there. Um, yeah. I, I feel like that's a pretty good lock. If you've got a, if you've got a futures prop bet anywhere, uh, go ahead and lock in DJ Chark to the Bengals at some point in the next five years, <laughs> Calvin Ridley, if you're listening, <laughs> um, <laughs> I do think no, it's a no, decent z- fit, zero zero bets, Calvin. Zero. Keep <laughs> was zero. I do think it's a decent fit. Just you know, they weren't going to go out and get one of those high high profile guys, but uh, he, you know, it, it's he's somebody who for, he he was on a prove it deal in in Detroit, and clearly he proved it because he's got a new deal. Not necessarily, maybe not with the team that we wanted him to be with. Uh, I I don't really know if it's a prove it deal. Uh, I don't know if he's proved it because this is a one year deal in Carolina as well, if I'm not mistaken um i'm pulling i'm pulling up the uh exact contract now but last i saw it was another one year um the the problem with with chark has just been his availability he played um yeah terms on one year deal so um he he's got he's got skills he is a pretty modern receiver um but he's just you don't know how much he's gonna play and that that's difficult. This is this is the best for both worlds, I think. Um, this should give Chark maybe a little bit more um, of a clear perspective of where he stands in the offense in Carolina. Um, you know, he's going to get to uh, be alongside one of the wh- whoever the hot top name is at the quarterback is going to be wearing Carolina uh, blue and black next season, most likely. So it, it's a good chance for him to 
stand out from the, you know, um, Amon Ross St. Brown, TJ Hawkinson for a little while, you know, log jam that they had there for pass catchers. Um, sure, the Panthers have done a decent job bringing in Hayden Hurst and Thielen, but uh, DJ Chark should be the, he should be the number one option there in Carolina this season if they don't do anything else. I'm trying to think of a DJ joke because they went from DJ Moore to DJ Chark, but I just I just don't have it. But well, uh, go, go go DJ, that's my DJ. <laughs> this is why there's two hosts on this show because if one of us if one of us can't think of one, someone's all the other one's always got it. <laughs> we, we have to have at least one brain cell acting, so we can't do solo shows. <laughs> the, uh, the unfortunately uh, in the NFC East, there's been a, been a, a lot of a lot, a lot of free agency uh free agency pickups as well the Cowboys picking up Stefan Gilmore and trading for Brandon Cooks also uh, I know Brandon Cooks is going to be one of those kind of one-year type things but he he does add some speed to their uh to their wide receiver core even if he does add some a bit of a locker room cancer aspect to it also and, and a bit of an injury history too um and interesting what's been happening in Philadelphia because we saw Darius Slay was about to leave now he's back most of that defense is back but CJ Gardner Johnson, speaking of the Lions, is signed with Detroit. So that that, you know, that that is a big component of their defense, that secondary that's going to be moving on. And I, I kind of noticed last year when CJ Gardner Johnson got hurt, the Eagles secondary played at a little bit lower of a level than they did for most of the year. I mean, I, I think most teams would. Um that they, they've done a good job bringing most of most of it back. Um I'm looking at here at some of the guys that they uh, ha- have lost. Like you said, TJ Edwards, um, Kaiser White. He he's he's a good depth linebacker. Uh, Javon Hargrave is is a pretty big loss. You know he he went and got him a big deal uh, in in San Francisco. Uh, I that they've done like you said, Darius Slay, Fletcher Cox. They've resigned Brandon Graham, James Bradbury. They've resigned. Um, they bring in Terrell Edmonds, uh, which is, I, I think a really good, uh, a really good signing, um, interested to see where they land with their defensive tackles though, because they, they had to pick up Sue and Joseph in the middle of last year. Uh, both of those were obviously on one year deals. Neither one of those guys have signed They're unrestricted. Um, obviously both of them were waiting to, in the middle of the season last year for a reason. So, um, interested to see if either one of those guys did enough to get brought back to the Eagles or into the NFL at all. Um, the I, I would say the the big news you mentioned uh, Gardner Johnson. It it seems like it's been forever since Miles Sanders hasn't been in Philadelphia. It seems like he's been there quite a while, and that's another player that the Panthers have added on offense, trying to replace some of uh, Christian McCaffrey's production, but. Uh, Miles Sanders not being an Eagle is just going to feel a little weird to me, no matter how you feel about the Eagles. Um, he, he's been someone who, you know, th- through their, their, their Super Bowls and their, you know, finishing last place in the NFC East a uh, couple of last couple of years, he's, he's been one of the constants. Uh, so I'm interested, interested to see how they function without him uh, there in Philadelphia. And speaking of that, I wonder how Miles Sanders is going to fit in in, in Carolina. So it's really going to be a new look Carolina offense, and might take some time to gel. And uh, have they? Did they? They did something at quarterback. I don't know why it's slipping my mind. Have they done any? Have they the decided Eagles? who they're? No, the, the Panthers. Have the Panthers decided that they're going to who they're going to roll with? They're going to draft somebody, right? Right. They okay. They traded for the pick. Duh, duh, duh. They traded for the number one pick, and they're going to take a take a quarterback. Okay. There we go. Well, <laughs> well, welcome to the calendar year. Yeah. All right. All right. I've been thinking about too much baseball, but yes, the, the Panthers still have that big opening at quarterback. You saw they met with CJ Stroud. They went to the pro days and I uh, just, that actually kind of makes me excited for draft season because we're going to have something very, very relevant to talk about uh, when, while we're, uh, you know, we're going to, we're going to hit the, the, the draft hard, but you know, it, it, it is interesting because I think we're going to get some opinions from, from just from local listeners about, Oh man, the Panthers did this, did this stupid thing with the draft or the Panthers did this awesome thing with the draft. So, and you know, we, we talked about last time, the possibility still exists that they trade this pick to somebody else. So the point being, they have, do not know who their quarterback is going to be next season. Just putting all these pieces around like Adam Thielen and 
and Miles Sanders and company. But yeah, Miles Sanders was a guy that whenever Washington would play the Eagles, I'd be like, I hope he doesn't burn us too badly because I watched him in college at Penn State and just knew how badly he could burn you. And it was a, it was a sad thing for a lot of Philly fans because him being a Penn State guy now, you know, they've, they've had, they've been able to root for him for the four years before he was with the Eagles. And now he, when he was with the Eagles and now he's gone playing for another team. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's obviously the Panthers, I guess, glaring hole is, is the quarterback position. Um, their absolute bottom line guy that they're going to have is Andy Dalton. They, they've signed him. Uh, I, I want to say that was a two or three year deal. Um, you know, obviously far removed from his success at the Bengals. Um, you know, he, he's had a couple of decent stops here or there. Uh, but th- this is one of those guys that you stash to, you know, he, he's a, a good backup. If something goes wrong, you get you have an injury, uh, but he, he should be able to help uh, coach and mentor uh, a, n- a new quarterback, which the Panthers are ultimately going to have. Um, who that will be, I don't know. Um, they seem to be uh, propping C.J. Shroud up there a little prominently for me to believe that that's what they're going to do in a month. Um, to me, that that signals, hey, someone who wants C.J. Shroud better come trade for the number one pick or else we're going to take him. I don't think they have any intention of taking C.J. Shroud. I still firmly believe Bryce Young is the – best quarterback in this draft and it will be by Bryce Young at the end of the day um that's no disrespect to CJ Stroud I I think he's just I I think he's fine if you take him at number one as well um I think I think CJ Stroud is probably the third quarterback most likely to go number one because I think they're though they are more likely to take a risk on Anthony Richardson over drafting CJ Stroud as well so we we will see the good thing is the Panthers have put a really good um, you know, a a pretty decent offensive team around him, whoever it is going to be. Uh, Like I said, Adam Thielen, DJ Chark, Miles Sanders, Hayden Hurst, that that's, that's for instant, instant notoriety guys who have all been productive in the NFL. Um, as long as DJ Chark stays healthy, that's, that there's not a whole lot of rookie quarterbacks getting drafted number one overall that have that sort of table set for them it's not the end vision for sure that's a lot of rentals that's a lot of you know mismatched parts but overall uh i think they've done a phenomenal job uh surrounding whoever their quarterback is going to be with reasonable offensive weapons to at least get their feet wet and be able to work and improve uh with decent players and in a division that's so wide open excuse me every team is going to have a a new starting quarterback unless Tom Brady magically comes out of retirement Um, we've already seen the Saints pick up Derek Carr Uh, the Falcons are ostensibly going to start Desmond Ritter and have Taylor Heineke back him up and you know even God knows what's going to happen in Tampa Bay with with all that but but it's Baker might be one of the most wide open yeah Baker Mayfield Uh, and we'll see we'll see how that works out Um, but I think it's going to be one of the most wide open divisions in in the league this year and you know, we always kind of pay a lot of attention to these teams that make moves early in free agency and how that can, you know, how, how that's going to set them up for next year. The bear, the bears were a team that was kind of through the first volley. And now the Panthers had been doing a lot of that recently and kind of moving on to my favorite team, the, the Washington commanders. I think, I think we did not have Jacoby Brissett when we recorded the last show or we had we just signed him. Yeah. No, he had not I, signed with Washington yet. Yeah. I, I posed the question to you, if there's a, Geno Smith or Jacoby Brissett type of quarterback out there, do you take them? Well, lo and behold, the commanders pulled the trigger on one of them, Jacoby Brissett from North Carolina State University, to compete with, back up, who really knows, uh, Sam Howell, uh, the UNC product, of course. But I think this does sort of, you know, you you kind of harped on this earlier in, 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 the, in the year uh, as the offseason kind of was just starting and you were like, well, are you guys really going to roll with Sam Howell? Are you going to make him that, you know, are you going to have competition? Are you going to sign a, a starter and have Sam Howell back him up? Or are you going to sign a backup and have him back up Sam Howell? And this, this sort of, I think it sort of falls into that category. Um, just because Brissett was the backup to Deshaun Watson last year. Um, they brought, they would bring him in on like heavier packages sometimes. I uh, did that a couple of times again in the Washington game. Uh, but it, I think one thing is for certain 
if this team adds another quarterback after doing this, it's not going to be a high profile guy. And we've already heard all the talk about Lamar Jackson. And it's, it's going to be somebody I think late in the later rounds of the draft, um, just to, to have that third quarterback. And I think more teams are going to be carrying three quarterbacks, but th- this takes Washington, of course, out of that running for the high, high profile guys. Not that they were really much in it in the first place. Yeah, although, you know, you're about to get a $6 billion cash infusion to Dan Snyder, so maybe he tosses you a couple extra bucks for a QB. Um, but I, I think Brissett's brought in to be the starter. I think Brissett's the starter from day one. Um, he's won NFL jobs. I don't think he takes this particular job to sit behind Sam Howell. He certainly could have taken a job to sit behind another starting quarterback, much more seasoned, much more reasonable to sit behind another quarterback than it is Sam Howell. I'm not – uh, I'm not disrespecting Sam Howell by saying that, uh, I, but I, I think it goes without – it, it should go without saying um, that as it stands right now, I would take Jacoby Brissett 100 times out of 100 over Sam Howell just because I've seen what Jacoby can do. And J- Jacoby's won starting jobs. He has been the starting quarterback for several teams um, and not really been a problem. Now, he's not an end-all, be-all solution, but uh, he – he kind of reminds me of Taylor Heineke in just the role that he plays. You just know that he's not the problem, but he's not the guy who's going to win you a Super Bowl either. Um, so it's it's a good guy to bring in and have Sam Howell, like you said, compete. It will be competitive. Jacoby Brissett's going to be the starter. Um, you, you're not bringing him in to sit behind Sam Howell. That's that's not what he's for. That's that's not what he would do. He could go sit behind anybody else in this league he's not going to sit behind the a sam howe b a carolina grad he's just not going to do it so um i i think it's a it's a smart move for washington this is a very low risk uh move he's not really had an injury history he's a big durable guy you can run a couple of different types of offenses with him um and really prepare for uh it for your next offseason. And unfortunately, that's just where it feels like I am with the commanders right now in that it's just th- this next season is just, uh, I don't know, it's kind of a throwaway. Like, it's it's a building year, but it's more of a finding out exactly what we have, and now we have to make the Montez Sweat, Chase Young decision, and now we can finally start to move. That That's kind of what this year feels like to me. It feels like you're just almost uh, – just – frozen in sight like a like a deer in the headlights with the Dan Snyder stuff going on and god god forbid that last game that Sam Howell played looking pretty decent uh it's just kind of to me it has the commanders frozen in place this offseason really this it feels very much like the 2011 season where we were in this same you know not with the ownership situation but we were in this very similar situation with the roster in which we were trying to build everything but quarterback and then put the proper quarterback in place when we drafted RG3 the next season. But it was Rex Grossman and John Beck heading into the season. That was what we had at quarterback. And there was just this kind of understanding that, you know, even if we win a couple games early, like this season is not going to go the way we wanted it to. And of course we finished five and 11 and it was one of those Redskins seasons. And this just, this feels very much like that with the way this roster is constructed and just with what's going on with the coaching situation and, and, and whatnot. So I, I kind of agree. Um, I, I'm looking at Jacoby Brissett's contract one year, $8 million. So that that's very much a prove it deal. You know, you, you don't sign somebody to come in and learn the offense and be the guy you can rely on to go to as a backup uh, for you know, like we like Colt McCoy was, for example, you don't sign him to that kind of deal uh, if if you're just going to have him be the backup. So I you know I think there's there's possibility there that Jacoby Brissett wins the the starting uh, the starting quarterback job in Washington. Uh, a couple other uh, signings signings they had were Trent Scott from the Steelers, backup offensive lineman, and Abdullah Anderson from the uh, from the Falcons, who uh, was is a kind of a depth guy on the defensive line along with uh, Andrew Wiley and um, from uh, from the Chiefs and a couple couple others from just from various various teams across the NFL. But um, 
commanders are probably pretty close to being done bringing guys from the outside. Now the, I think the priority remains now that Deron Payne is uh, signed long-term you alluded to it too, Alex, trying to figure out what you're going to do. Montez sweat versus chase young, either or, and, or, um, and then also cam curl in the secondary is another guy that we need to lock down long-term. So, you know, it's kind of just like, you know, there's, there's the next step after it never stops. It keeps the next step after you, you hit one checkpoint and then it just keeps going after that. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm genuinely concerned and I, I, well, we can move on and talk about the Redskins commanders later on in the year as, you know, we're still very early in the process. The draft hasn't even happened. And we know how much happens after the draft. We see what the actual holes are. But <clears throat> another thing that is sorely lacking here to me is just offensive playmaking. Um, I like Jahan Dotson. I do. I like Terry McLaurin. I like Terry McLaurin a lot. Uh, one of my favorite receivers in the NFL I, I don't see – I mean, you can you can throw Logan Thomas at me if you want to. I don't see the consistent playmaker in several aspects of the game at tight end, and I don't see that I, – I, I don't even know how to put it, but just kind of that – like Guyton for, for the Chargers. The Chargers have always had one of those guys who just takes the top off of a defense and catches an 80-yard bomb like three or four times a year to keep everyone, you know, respectable. Maybe, maybe that's what Jahan Dotson is, but I have a vision of Jahan Dotson becoming a little bit more of a complete receiver and not being um, uh, put back into that position. So for me, I just don't see the explosiveness from the offense. And of course, it's Ron Rivera. He's going to load up on defense and that's what they've done. That, that's what the commanders have done since he's been there. But I, I just – I don't see where the points are going to come from to help your defense win ball games. It, you, you're in the conference. You're in the division with the team that just went to the Super Bowl, and their receivers are Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown. And the receivers you're putting up next to that are what, – what, what, I just, what I just mentioned, Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dawson. And I don't mean any disrespect to either one of them. That's not that's not even a comparable duo. And then you tell me that you have Sam Howell or Jacoby Brissett throwing to them, and your best option out of the backfield is Brian Robinson, who just got shot last year. I, the defense stuff is great, but what where, where are the acquisitions on offense? What where's the draft capital put forward on real offensive players? Like that they're, they're there should be a tight end being drafted every year in Washington, the way they get hurt and run through them. And that's the, the one aspect of this offense that I really, really still need. We lost cam Sims to free agency. He signed with the mm -hmm. Raiders and he's six foot five. He was one of those tall guys Huge. we could throw up and, and get, get, get balls in the corner of the end zone. He had one where he just mossed the shit out of uh, Trayvon Diggs a couple years ago. But um, yeah, he, yeah, that was an under a sneaky, a departure that you know we weren't going to keep him he, there was no hope of him staying on the roster but it just it still sucks and we need to replace him and we need to be looking in the draft for one of those big tall athletic wide receivers that you can throw the ball up and he goes and gets it because as great as those, these receivers are they're not the aj brown type they're not the big physical type john dotson is not big and, mm. and terry mclaurin is not big so like he's he's tough he can go over the middle he's but he's you know, he's, he's, he's going to have, he's giving up, you know, defensive backs are getting bigger and bigger these days. Anyway, you know, I think of the Legion of boom kind of set that precedent, the, the, the six foot plus cornerbacks, Terry McLaurin, I think is only six foot one or six foot two. So yeah, I mean, that's a big concern for, for Washington coming into the season. And I just wish Brock Bowers was coming out this year because I'd, I'd just be all over that guy, man. Like I would want him in Burgundy and gold for sure. Uh, Go get but, Darnell but a type, Washington, dude. a type, a type guy. Yeah, that Darnell Washington, a type like that type of guy. Jordan, the Jordan Reed archetype of of tight end, the tight end that plays <laughs> like a receiver. Seriously, he, man. <laughs> no, no, I, I wasn't laughing at at that. I was laughing at the Jordan Reed because he's perfect, except for he gets hurt standing yeah. in line waiting for <laughs> exactly. the new iPhone. Exactly. Like, <laughs> that, like he, he's phenomenal. He's exactly what you want, but he can't stay on the field. Yeah, and I just I, I I know we're going to draft at least one of those two players probably pretty early in the draft, either a big tall wide receiver or a 
tight end kind of like that because I know we don't have the resources right now to go find one in free agency. I mean, the Giants so, grabbed Darren Waller. That that pissed me off. That this is one of those like I, I'm not trying to got you here. So re- real, realize I'm not I'm not using this as like I, I'm going to pull it on on you and and uh, you know humiliate you on Twitter or anything. But I know Ron Rivera. I know what he does in NFL draft. I, I know that you say you're not going to leave without so-and-so. How shocked are you going to be when the first two picks are defensive linemen? I mean, not shocked because I've been following this team for 30 years. So, yeah. so no, not shocked. But that's what, that's what I yes, see happening. That possibility is definitely there. If you're a Commanders fan listening to this and don't think that might happen, change your thinking now because that totally could happen. I mean, it, honestly, it kind of makes sense with the expiring contracts, the big expiring contracts you have on the team actually being defensive linemen. There's actually a thought process that tracks with that too. So not only does he normally do it, but now he kind of has a financial reason to do it. So all I'm saying out there for Commanders fans, keep your cups on during the draft. Um, I, I actually like how the how the, how Washington is drafted for the most part, really for a long time i think they've drafted in the first couple of rounds pretty well um but i i just got i got a feeling that they're going to try to go solve this money problem by drafting uh edge rushers you know interior linemen instead of addressing their actual offensive issues if they wanted to address these offensive issues they would have done it way before now we used to do that back in the late 2000s early 2010s with wide receivers I mean, we and we we would draft wide receivers and tight ends like you wouldn't believe. Fred Malcolm Davis, Kelly, man. Malcolm Kelly, and Devin Thomas were the crown jewels of that yep. 2008 draft class, and they both fucking sucked. All right, horrible. We need to talk about something else. But like, <laughs> like I said, we have all offseason to talk about the Commanders, <laughs> and we we might need it. But that does remind me, we will be ramping up our NFL coverage, uh, of course, as the draft comes along. We're about a month away from the draft, man. This is this is a uh, this shit's getting real. And, uh, and it's getting real. So you better hope your team doesn't fuck up their draft because we will be here to roast them here Speaking from the Nasser Alexander Kuchegi Studios. Real quick, did you see Mike Tannenbaum's mock draft for today? I did not. He, he's an ex-Titans and um, uh, Jets GM. Yes. Um, he, he has Hendon Hooker going number five overall to the, to the Seahawks. Wow. All right. So I want whatever he's on because he is on the right hash. I, there's, no, there's no way that's happening. Man, that, man has got, a lifetime invite. <laughs> Seattle has the right hash that he is on that he was smoking when he predicted Hendon Hooker to go five overall to Seattle. Um, I love Hendon Hooker. That's not going to happen. I don't, I don't care how well you interview. Your, your age is also not that big of a problem to me, but that combined with the ACL issue, and some alternatives who don't have maybe one or two of those variables. Plus they just signed Geno Smith for three years. Uh, not, not going to happen, but it's fun. to It's fun to talk about. It's why you should take none of those mock drafts that anyone puts out seriously, especially the one that the right hash will inevitably inevitably put out as well. <laughs> yes. And we, we will be doing that. You saw the graphics from last year. We, we, we went all out with that and we actually had a lot of fun doing it. So I, I don't see any reason why, why that wouldn't happen again uh, this season. Um, yeah. I just, I, and, and of course there's just the, the, the watching it and watching the names come across the screen and seeing their highlights and hearing the reactions from the so-called experts. I mean, like that, that's not going to happen of course for another month on ESPN and NFL network, but that the actual action of it i know people think it's boring but to people like us it is so not boring i watch every pick every year yeah yeah <laughs> if you want to go, you go back and listen to some of our shows from last year and that's not a new opinion we we do go crazy over this stuff um so i'm looking forward to that uh, but this uh this this time of year also means another sport and of course baseball comes these team these two sports used to be played in the same uh the same venues for the most part i mean we remember growing up you used to have the the padres and the dolphins and uh the the raiders all those early season games you could still see the infield on the on the football field and i'm sure that shit sucked to get tackled on (laughs) but uh you you don't have that anymore because there are no teams that share stadiums but uh opening day coming up later this week on thursday um i don't know how either of my the teams that i have a claim to root for are 
going to do this year. Um, but I'm just, I'm more just kind of stoked for it to happen. Just stoked for there to be baseball on the TV every night, you know, just an option to watch. And I mean, I guess we can start with the Atlanta Braves though, because this is, this is the main reason we're doing a, an opening day primer. And of course, sour taste in the mouth last year, losing to Philly in the division series, um, following up the, the world series. But if the world baseball classic is any indication and the winter leagues were any indication, Ronald Acuna Jr. is back and ready to just like kick ass and take names yeah that that's that's the big thing for the Braves I, I think compared to last year is just having a, a full Ronald Acuna uh, and hopefully hopefully for the for the full season obviously uh, every superstar this day and age has some sort of load management aspect so he's not going to play a full 162 I don't think anybody's going to um, but as long as we can you know, he looks like he's beefed up a little bit too, which pretty much always means that you have become a, a little bit more injury resistant than if you were to be a string bean, um, especially around the knees, especially around where he's been hurt, bulking up, just getting a little bit of extra protection down there uh, can, can make a difference between that guy having a good season because he played 80 games or a great season because he played 140. Um, so I'm excited about Acuna. He's going to lead off. Uh, for us this season um, don't exactly know what the day-to-day lineup is going to be mainly because I don't exactly know what's happening at catcher or shortstop well, for, you know with the full season in mind um, other than I am fairly certain Sean Murphy is going to be our day in day out catcher the guy that we traded um, uh, from Oakland we traded William Contreras and uh, a couple of prospects to bring in Sean Murphy, one of the top catchers in the game, uh, bat and defensively, just a phenomenal player. You've never heard of him because he plays in Oakland, but we also brought Matt Olson uh, out of that uh, nuclear hell hole as well. And he's had a, he leads the, the majors in spring training home runs. He's having a phenomenal spring. Um, uh, the, the DH like I said, is, is a question for me, maybe not so much catcher because I expect Sean Murphy to be there, but the DH where we have Travis Darno and Sean Murphy, I think it's pretty certain those guys are going to be in contention for DH pretty much every night. But then you have Marcelo Zuna who you're not really able to unload during the, uh, you know, off season for reasons that we know reasons. Maybe we don't know uh, maybe just sheer not being able to get enough value back having to give up too much value in addition to someone taking him. Um, he, he's, he's a good bat. I don't see him playing in the fields. Um, it's, it should be Acuna, uh, Michael Harris, and uh, Eddie Rosario in the field. Rosario may DH some, but I think he's a far better fielder than Ozuna, although neither one of them are particularly ideal. Um, the, the, the big you know, question grenade that got thrown into Atlanta country was last week when Vaughn Grissom got sent down to triple uh, a um, and it looks like Orlando Arcia is going to be our open. He is going to be our opening day shortstop. Um, but the reason we kind of didn't pay Dansby Swanson and let him go to Chicago was because we were expecting to be starting Vaughn Grissom this season. And maybe that still happens, uh, but he, he is just, a huge liability as far as defensively um, at shortstop right now. And I, I guess for them, his bat doesn't outweigh his questionable glove. And Arcia is good enough at both that it looks like he's just going to get the nod until Vaughn or someone else, Brandon Schumach, maybe uh, give us a reason not to play him. Uh, Braves fans are familiar with Arcia. He's, he's been kind of a utility guy for us. For the last couple of years, a fan favorite. Everyone loves him. He's a great clubhouse guy. Um, so I, I don't have a problem with it, but it is, it was a little shocking because, like I said, we let the Atlanta, you know, Dansby Swanson, native to Georgia guy, go to Chicago over money um, because we thought we had a, a better value play in Von Grissom. Granted, it's still opening day. Baseball is a horrendously long sport. Um, so there's plenty of time to figure that out. Uh, the, the other kind of wishy-washy thing that got thrown into the Braves, uh, lineup is their, uh, starting pitching rotation. Um, it seems pretty 
set in stone uh our top three of of morton um oh man i i'm blanking right now max, max free and kyle Wright. Uh, no kyle Wright's the reason i was bringing this up because he just got sent to uh beginning the season on the injured list he needs to go do a couple more rehab stints um my god who 21 who wins the- last year so you hope he gets back quick uh i pretty sure he's gonna be fine but it's just one of those like his rehab start didn't go as well spencer strider how the fuck did i forget spencer strider um but freed strider and morton are basically right now our guaranteed three guys kyle wright when he's back but then what we've had this open slot that ian anderson looked like two years ago he was just gonna be our guy like oh my god we found another one of these you know glavin smoltz type of guys in our farm system getting ready um and he, he just hasn't he's gotten banged around since uh that dodger series two years ago and really never returned to himself um so we've got dylan dodd uh, and jared schuster are are going to be uh two guys who both thought that they were one or the other going to go home one or the other was going to fill the fifth slot when kyle wright had to get put back to the il we said hey both you guys come on up. You're getting thrown right into the fire right at the beginning of the season. Um, uh, Schuster is pitching uh, April 2nd uh, at Washington. So um, we're going to find out on, on the first weekend what, what he's looking at. And then we have uh, Dylan Dodd at uh, St. Louis on the 4th. So uh, I have a lot of faith in the pitching staff and, and the Braves pitching in general because they have they have made – the most out of less I would say compared to any of the teams that are competing for the world series year in year out, they have done more with less, but I don't know if this is a, a lineup, even if I'm including Kyle Wright, instead of one of the, the two young guys, I still don't know if Freed Strider, Wright And Morton are a world series lineup. I, I can say two or three of those guys are, Morton, it depends on who you get, right? It depends on who you get. Strider and Freed are are phenomenal. Those are what we need to lock down Max Freed ASAP. Unfortunately, I think Los Angeles might, uh, the, the Dodgers might steal him away like they have another former fan favorite Brave. But that's a problem for next year. If there's a team to make your first MLB start, or your, your first start of the season against at least, it's the Nationals. Uh, they're they're going to be far and away the worst team in Major League Baseball this year, and I don't think there's uh, they're trying to be, you know, they're they're on the set on the sale block too. Um, but you know, that's that's I don't want to get into that. With there's already one already one DC sports team relative to the right hash that's being sold. Um, but that you know, it's and in this division here in the NFC or in the NFC, the NL East, uh, they're the two main teams you're competing with have already suffered pretty big setbacks. Here in spring training slash the World Baseball Classic, the Mets losing Edwin Diaz to a torn patellar tendon and the Phillies losing Reese Hoskins to a torn ACL, which was a non-contact injury, just the worst kind of injury because you just step funny and boom, your season's gone just like that. Uh, But it's going to affect both those teams. Um, I'm glad I won't have to hear the stupid trumpets this year. Um, Get well soon, Edwin Diaz, of course. But I got really, really tired of that last season and um, I, I just I just don't want the Phillies to win anything. So anything bad that happens to them is kind of always welcome news here. I loved it because one of the Braves guys had it as his walkout before the Mets tried to take it. Um, so it, it was always nice to recognize that one guy by it. But uh, yeah, it got kind of played out. Um, have you heard anything? I, I'm looking here. Uh, Brandon Nimmo also had a non-contact sliding injury um, a, a week or two ago for the Mets. And uh, I ha- I haven't seen an update on his injury or if that's even going to uh, impact them. It, I don't see anything particularly here, so it looks like they're Jeff McNeil and Nemo are both going to play, um, which it, which is good. I, I I don't like to see those guys go down at, at least at least for the Mets because I like the Mets to have the full meltdown, like no excuses just pure Frank the Tank on Barstool meltdown when the Braves win with a fraction of their salary cap that the Mets have put out. Um, no matter how much Cohen spends, 
you can't buy your way out of Mettober. And I am sorry, Mettember, Mettober, you can't buy yourself out of that. Uh, I wish Edwin Diaz didn't get hurt um, just because it's so much better when their collapse is pure and it's the full salary cap of players that collapse. Um, yeah, they've built in excuses now. <laughs> exactly. I hate that. Uh, and they're already, they're already using them um, because there is such a razor thin margin in the NL East with the Phillies Braves uh, and Mets this year that what one player could absolutely cost you six, eight games down the stretch of a season. And that is, that is a Canyon compared to the margin of error that you're going to have in this division at the top uh, when it comes to making the playoffs winning, you know, home field advantage versus being in the wild card game. Um, so huge loss for them, but they've got plenty. They still have plenty. Um, if they're good enough to make it, they'll make it. They just won't make it all the way because the Mets never do. <laughs> they'll make it to about, they'll make it to Labor Day and it, it all goes downhill from there. Yeah. I, I, they're probably at this point, I think they're my least favorite team in the majors. I, even being a, an, an O's fan, more of an O's fan than an Nats fan. Uh, they're still my least favorite team in the majors. Just the fan base has a lot to do with it. Um, I, I've noticed Yankees fans are actually a lot more realistic these days than they were back in the nineties and early two thousands. And it's the Mets fans that are just way, way, way obnoxious. But I mean, speaking of the Nats, the only thing I'm going to say really about them this season is Patrick Corbin is their ace. And that's not a good thing, man. That's just, that's a really, really, really bad thing. Um, Carter Keboom is maybe the one player who I'm looking at this year as somebody who could, could be a star. Um, but, you know, they got rid of Juan Soto last season. And it, it really just kind of takes me back to when they first came to Washington when I was 12 years old. And they were a pushover, just not even competitive for different reasons now or then than, than the reasons now. But it's just it's it's kind of a full circle type thing because when I was in in college and slightly after college, the Nationals were really really good, um, you know, making the playoffs every year, usually losing in the division series, but they broke through and won the World Series in 2019. And now it's just back to them being who I think is going to be the worst team in, in the league. They're going to have trouble winning 50 games. Um, but of course, up the Beltway in Baltimore, a little bit more optimism because the the Ravens, the Ravens. Here I go again. We we, we need to stop crossing our sports over on this Close show too Ravens. much. Never, but, more. Uh, never more, never more. Uh, but the Orioles, the other bird team in, in Baltimore, uh, who plays at the best ballpark in, in Major League Baseball, uh, there's a little bit more optimism. Cedric Mullins, I think, is a is a star player. He should be leading things off pretty Roll regularly humps. this year. Yes, indeed. Uh, Adley Rutschman, Ryan Mountcastle, Anthony Santander, good, good young core. A guy I really like is outfielder Austin Hayes. I got to see him see him last year when they played the Yankees. He ripped a double to left off off of a uh, off of Roldis Chapman, so that was cool. Um and uh Adam Frazier is a guy who's been around a lot that they they added this offseason. He has spent some time in San Diego, spent some time with the Pirates. If you're an SEC fan, you might recognize him because he played at Mississippi State in the early 2010s, but he kind of adds a veteran presence to this young roster that uh I I think is is going to be really necessary. I don't really know what to expect in the, the AL East this year. I know the Rays are really good. I know the Red Sox think they're really good and the Yankees think they're really good, but um, I think it's going to be a little bit tougher of a division, uh, maybe more, a little more, uh, not quite as top heavy as the, the NL East, but uh, I'm definitely excited to like, just, just watch the games, man. I'm hoping that the blackouts work themselves out because currently under the blackout rules, I can't watch the O's here, which really, really sucks. And I hate it, but. Well, I'm don't worry. The company. The company responsible for the blackouts is about to go belly up and major league baseball is about to just broadcast it all for free. Um, uh, thank you. Thank you guys are Bally, right? Uh, the Orioles and the nationals are Masson. So that they've had their, oh. and they've had their own little dispute since the Washington, Interesting. since Washington came in 2005, I could, I could do a, I could actually do a whole show about just that, but I'm not going to. Um, so, uh, that aside, the, the question that I have on the, the Orioles, and, you know, just to put this out there, the Orioles were one of those teams that if you had playoff aspirations at the end of last year and it was just a couple of games between you and who you're battling with, you didn't want to see with the fucking Orioles on your schedule like, like the decade before. Uh, they played extremely good baseball down the stretch um, last year. I thought they just had a really good overall season, actually, kind of started to see – 
the, the the rebuild turning around. It's a little bit slower in baseball than it is in other sports, uh, just because of the development that has to take place. But um, I, the only question that I have, because I, I like the infield, I like the catching, I like the outfield. I I am I don't know what to make of this pitching the the rotation. Um, I, you you may have covered some of it in there. I was trying to pick up the names and and pick out who they were because I'm not super familiar with the with the the pitching staff of the Orioles. Um, I know a couple of names on here, but who are you expecting? By the way, holy fuck, Felix Bautista and Tyler Wells are six eight. That's some pitchers right there. Um, who who are you expecting? You know, you don't have to give me the the five, but who 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 should be the the better pitchers for the Orioles this year? A guy I really like is Dean Kramer, uh, Jewish guy, played for the Israeli uh, national team for the World World Baseball Classic. He that was really fun to watch him play start Israel's first game. Uh, but I saw him pitch at Camden Yards last year. He he wears the man bun that flows out the back of his hat. Um, but he he had an ERA of just over the magic number last year 4.24 with a whip of 1.3 109 strikeouts just 42 walks so a really good control pitcher I don't think he'll be the opening day starter I think Kyle Gibson might be the opening day starter Um, he sported a slightly higher ERA slightly higher whip but he struck out 25 more batters than Kramer last year with 12 more walks Um, so those two guys I think are going to be the one two you mentioned uh, Tyler Wells uh, who I'm, I'm just excited to see on the mound at six foot eight uh, but th- this is this is not the Braves rotation, and this is not a. I don't think this is a rotation that we're going to be able to rely on all the time, um, and you know injuries and whatnot. Uh, but the, the two guys at the top, Gibson and Kramer, I, I'm, I think can can really help themselves develop this year. But I do think this is a team that's going to be a lot more offensive oriented. The, the stars are are in the batting order. You know, they they Adley Rushman has kind of been waiting to be unleashed for what seems like two or three years now, um, and and. I think Cedric Mullins is one of the best leadoff hitters in the game and 33 stolen bases last year. Like the game has changed. There's not as much running. There's not as much stealing to still post a number like that. That that's pretty remarkable to me. I I mean, the only thing I don't like about him is his strikeout total 118 strikeouts at the top of the order. Isn't, isn't ideal, but I just, I'm, I'm, I'll put it this way. I'm a lot more excited about anything Orioles than I have been in the last five or six years, just because we're sort of out of that, intentional tanking phase and we we kind of are where we quote unquote want to be with the roster and now it's just kind of in in the baseball god's hands to see where things turn out yeah and to to your point on Mullins uh I think there's going to be an exceptional value found in those guys this year with the base size increase as well as the uh the pickoff attempt rule being changed as well it, it opens the floodgates for these guys who already can steal bases w- with, you know, hands tied behind their back and their eyes closed. They, these guys can swipe bags very, very well. And what they've done is they've implemented two rules that heavily favor stealing bases. Um, so a guy who already is really good at it, if you didn't know the name Cedric Mullins before listening to this show, you were going to hear about Cedric Mullins all over sports center this coming season because you were about to witness the birth of a full-on full-fledged superstar now what what luke said there at the end is absolutely true you have to get better at the plate but he also draws a lot of walks so he strikes out but either he draws a walk or he goes down swinging um and that that's more you just need your lead on your your leadoff hitter to get on a bag I honestly don't think it's too big of a deal if your leadoff guy strikes out too much because if he's not just getting on a bag, it's pointless. Don't don't go down, you know, looking. So have a good eye, cut down on the strikeouts for sure, but just get on the bag and then go do what you do. But it's yeah, going to be big for a guy like Ronald Acuna too. Sorry, I was just going to throw it in there. Big for a guy like Michael Harris and Ronald Acuna Jr. for the Braves as well. Two guys who excel at swiping bags. Yeah, no doubt about it. And of course, they they banned the shift. I, I don't know if you mentioned that too, but uh, now you you, uh, the, you can't you can't shift anymore. So um, I think that that might bring back some of the some of the smaller you know small ball station to station baseball. That's 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 more wishful thinking, I think, because the game's evolved a little bit. Um, 
But I, I, other than, you know, other than for the Orioles, at least other than what's on the field, I just, I always make it to Camden Yards at least once or twice every, every summer. It's, it's become just part of the routine, you know, during COVID, obviously unable to happen, but it's just, it's become sort of my home ballpark. And I just, regardless of how the team does, it's just, I like being able to get up there and sit in those bleachers and just eat crab cakes and watch I, I won't say good baseball all the time, but just it's my favorite place to watch a, a baseball game by far. And it's just now that it's the season, the opportunities are there. And, you know, we, we say all the time on this show, if you're at a game, post about it and tag the right hash. In. And that, of course, applies to baseball as well. But that, another another thing I'm excited about is it, it, it it's sort of that that picnic atmosphere you get at the ballpark. Yeah, I. Absolutely. I, I've never been. It's one that the the namesake of our studio always talked about, always had some great pictures of the smokestacks. And, um, you know, I've always kind of felt like the Durham Bulls athletic park gives a little bit of that Camden Yard feel. It's not the same for sure. It's it's not. But they have the lucky strike stack um, in left field. It, it just kind of has that industrial ballpark feel, which Camden has. Um, so I I, I agree with you there. One of the better parks. It's one that I always try to play on. Uh, if I, if I have the opportunity to choose my stadium in the show, um, I'll either play current Atlanta Turner fields or uh, Camden yard, just because it's a, it's a phenomenal uh, it's a phenomenal setting. Um, I do real quick before we, before we kind of close off here, I do want to say one thing I'm not looking forward to this year is the implementation of these, of these pitch clocks. I think it's going to, I think it's going to lead to a pretty rough year. They'll get it figured out, but I I'm already pre angry at the the calls that they're going to make. Um, and I, I want to also stress real quick, as I was talking about Cedric Mullins and the bases stealing, I want to make sure everyone knows about that pickoff rule this year. That's going into the major leagues. Pitchers may make two pickoff attempts per batter to, to first or to, to, to any, to any base. They may make, two pickoff throws for free on their third. If it is not successful, it's considered a balk and the players get that it's considered a balk. Everyone moves up a base. So just keep that in mind. It's another reason why I think swipe bags are going to go up. Not only are the bags bigger, but they're, they're incentivizing the pitchers to not throw pickoffs uh, except for, in situations where it looks like they really have it. They're not just going to throw it to hold a guy as much anymore. They're going to throw it over there with intent to get the guy out because they don't have a lot of attempts to do it during a, a during a batting, a, a, during a bat. I've always hated that. Like, you know, you get a two, three throws over to first in, in a row and the crowd starts booing. I don't like when the crowd starts booing because that just shows me they don't really understand the strategy of baseball, but I, I I've mixed feelings because as somebody who's worked in the SEC for baseball this year and has noticed that it chops off a good 15 to 20 minutes of the game and I can kind of count on the game to move a little bit quicker. I like that part of it. But yeah, if I was a fan going to the ballpark and a game normally took three hours, I wouldn't want it to take two hours. I mean, I, I would want to still, you know, still have that atmosphere, that between in it, you know, the between pit, between at bats type vibe of the of the organ going off and the batter stepping out, readjusting his gloves. You know, Rob Manfred, of course, not a big fan of that. Um, and, and the thing I'm concerned about, especially early in the season, is in spring training, it's not a lot of these same players that you'll see in the regular season who have, are dealing with the pitch clock. This has mostly been prospects, rookies, you know, what have you. The superstars haven't really had to deal with it yet. So I think we're going to see some really, really tense moments between umpires and star players over what, what, what's going to happen here, particularly with some pitchers, because pitchers are all about their routines. Yeah, I mean, we've already got the spring training ups throwing guys out for putting their glove down and not letting them drop the ball into their mitt uh, and saying nothing about it. So uh, I, I I hope these umps with this pitch clock don't get an even more inflated ego of what power they hold over these games uh, because it certainly feels like it's going that way. And Angel Hernandez is is still is is, is still working. So, uh, like, what standards do we have, Major League, for your officiating <laughs> crews? If that guy is still, still officiating games. Uh, yeah, if you don't follow the account at ump job, just, just the two words, ump job, no space, all lowercase, 
and the, the, the name of it is Welcome to the Ump Show. Go follow that right now because that is the best content during baseball season. It's literally just umpires acting a fool at pretty much every level of the game. And it's just, it's, it's just, it's timeline cleansing. It's wholesome content. It's, it's everything you want when you log on to Twitter, looking to, to distract yourself from everyday life. Uh, at ump job <laughs> welcome to that, the ump show that rio muto thing man had me had me angry I, kn- <laughs> I know he wasn't particularly like he was confused but it's spring training he doesn't really care but yeah. the first time he's ever been ejected from a game was for that and in spring training like <laughs> seriously how wound up are you as a official as an ump to think that that was ejection worthy Jesus right. This reminds me a couple years ago, there was like, it was one of those basketball Thanksgiving tournaments in the Caribbean and a player was shooting free throws and none of his teammates were up there rebounding. All four of them were back playing, you know, ready to set up for defense. So he makes the first shot and then slaps imaginary high fives with his, with the imaginary people on the blocks. And the ref gave him a T for it. And I was just like, are you shitting me? Like what, who pissed in this man's coffee this morning? Like, yeah, we, we, we've, got to, we, we've got to get to a point where those folks are subject to media. Like, yeah, yeah, that's been a whole discussion. And then, what, and then instead of coach to. speak, you can have ref speak. I, it, even so, at least make them say something. At least make them have the second thought of, oh, shit, do I have to defend this to the world in 45 minutes? Uh, <laughs> okay, maybe, maybe I shouldn't make this heinous subjective call. I wonder, and maybe we can, we can take, we can, I'm going to mention this. We can, we can table it and maybe debate it on a, on a future show, but a card system in baseball, similar to soccer, you know, like, cause, cause so much of this is so subjective, you know, and, and if, 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 if the umpire wants to give you a yellow card for something like Ray Omoto did yesterday, I mean, fine, but like, it just seems so harsh to me that an ejection, it's either an ejection or nothing, you know, in basketball, you get technical foul. In football, you've got five, 10, 15 yard penalties. It, baseball, it's an ejection or nothing. And it just seems seems weird to me to have absolutes like that at this point. Yeah, I, I don't like that under no circumstance can you undo an ejection because exactly. you can't yeah, tell exactly. me in the history of baseball, there hasn't been some misunderstanding where the, the, the player is, you know, the catcher's just sitting there yelling something to his pitcher like horribly disgusting, but it's okay because it's between friends. And Ump thought it was about him and ejected the guy. And then after he's like, dude, I was talking to the dickhead on the mound, not the dickhead behind me. Um, and in this Real Muto case, you can see one of the field judges come up and talking to Real Muto and the, the umpire behind the plate. He, he's a, he's a, not a seasoned guy, evidently. Um, you can just kind of see the look on his face when he realized he had fucked up. He was just like, ah, well, I don't know. Well, <laughs> got gotta go on that's the situation where everyone should be able to get together and say hey man like we we we, we understand you're trying to just keep control of this game or whatever but uh you need to undo that <laughs> <laughs> you fucked up <laughs> yeah, yeah like throw throw a mulligan everyone will like you better for it if you just say hey sorry quick trigger get your ass back in this game forget about it everyone would like him so much better for just admitting the mistake and going on. But it's it, it's been the name of the game for the review system in baseball. They would rather the folks who are way off in some, you know, uh, TV room, studio, somewhere else watching as the overarching uh, major league review, they would rather protect the integrity of the call of the umpire rather than get it right just to protect the umpire. And that is so fucking dumb. Yeah, dude, I can't stand it. It's, it's, like, it's like, then don't have it at all. Then don't yeah. have review at all. Because I, I can tell you this, we have had, I think, at least 20 reviews during the season for Georgia. And we're not even halfway through the season yet. And this is college baseball, but it's the same, it's, it's the same concept. We have had 20 reviews this season, at least. Zero of them have been overturned. Like I literally, like, I'm not fucking with you. Like we have not had a single call overturned in any of our games this season. And it makes me wonder why the fuck we even do this. Dude, I don't want to go off on a tangent here. Cause this is supposed to be one of our shorter shows. And here we are like 90 minutes <laughs> later. Um, I was watching the lady Vols softball game against Alabama on Sunday. They had to pause the game to pull out the rule book. 
because no one knew this particular rule. And it took him at least 30 minutes to find someone who could who could articulate the rule out of the rule book. And it was funny because on the little graphic, um, you know, up at the top left, you have the score bug and right under it, it dropped down and it said consulting SEC handbook. <laughs> that is pretty remarkable. And I think it says something about the state of college sports officiating these days. Oh my um, God. Like, what? Why do we even need anybody? Like, why can't we just let the coaches look up the rules as we go and and implement it on the buddy system? Yeah, like in system in in little league when you would scrimmage the other team. Sometimes, like if another team was practicing, you guys would scrimmage, and your coach would just stand behind the pitcher and call balls and strikes. Like, let's just let's just go back to that, man. (laughs) Yeah, just like if if we win, we win. If we lose, we lose. We have to learn the same lesson either way. We're doing the same thing. Who? Obviously, you care what the result is, but as long as you get it right, that's the only right result in my eyes. Yeah, agreed. Agreed on that. And man, I could go off about officiating for for days and days in, in pretty much any sport, um, officiating yep. football, <laughs> basketball, and baseball. Um, I haven't done it in a while, but and there's maybe there's a good reason for that. But uh, that's a good, good, probably a good place for uh, for this show to wrap uh, with a uh, not again, not a lot of sports on here tonight, or really until baseball starts so maybe take it easy for a couple days and actually the show just dropped today and i've been waiting all day for it to finish installing so uh, that's that's a decent bet is what's going to be going on in in the uh the forsyth county branch of the uh, nasser alexander kuchecki studios following this show yeah i'll have to download mine as well afterwards i haven't got it downloaded yet but uh well uh, find something to do because it, it does not, it's not a quick download. Well, while I'm waiting for that, I might as well go ahead and download Diablo 4 and wait for that. <laughs> and I can just look back and forth at each one of them for my evening activity. <laughs> well, with that, that's all we've got for you here on this episode of The Right Hash. Thanks to everybody who tuned in. Thanks to everybody, of course, who made it till the end. And once again, thank you to everybody who uh, listens to The Right Hosh and participated in the right hash bracket smash we will have a winner determined very very soon we'll talk to you next time from the nasser alexander studios on the right hash